My name is Katie Tomberlin, and I'm from Carteret County. This is Community Rising, Shoreside's environmental stories, broadcasting from the Working Narrative Studio. Coming up next are stories from coastal North Carolina. During the early spring to late summer months, it's a great time for coastal farmers to begin their growing seasons to provide fresh produce for their communities. There's something special about naturally grown products that were made within your town, especially honey. If you've ever had the opportunity to wander down to your local farmer's market, you know that nothing can compare to the taste of raw natural honey. Honeybees work hard to provide this wonderful treat, but did you ever stop to wonder what else they do for us? Let's take a visit into a bee yard with some local beekeepers in Onslow County to find out the mysteries behind bees and their honey. My name is Dave Sandbeck and my wife's name is Lynn and um, we're both full-time employees for the Onslow County School District. And we like to say we're obvious beekeepers, but it's, it's gotten a little bit bigger than that. It sounds like beekeeping can be quite a handful at times. So what's involved within a local honeybee farm? So um, the name of our, our business is Deep Creek Bee Farm. And um, basically we, we have the four bee yards. One is on property that we own across the street from us. And they're all different. They're not, they're not all built the same, our, our bee yards. Um, we're in bear country and there's, there's other animals around. Every one of our yards has um, an electric fence around it that runs off solar, but um, they're all set up uh, with the same materials. And what we do is we take roll roofing, we put it down on the ground and then we go over that with landscape fabric. And then our beehives are actually off the ground. They sit on cinder blocks and then we put four by fours down. So they're, they're somewhere between the bottom of the beehive, somewhere between knee height, um, and a little above your waist. It just makes it a lot easier to, to work the, the beehives. And then on the property that we own across the street, we have what we call a honey house. It's basically just a glorified um, building. It's a 12 by 20. And um, that's where we do all our honey production. We do our extraction, our uncapping, and then we have some storage there. And then we just recently had a 20 by 28 building uh, put up uh, on the same piece of property. And um, we basically moved our entire operation into that building. With multiple bee yards and several hundred bees per hive, the average upkeep for a master beekeeper can be a very laborious task. So what does a typical day for a beekeeper look like? We started um, with two beehives and the recommendation for any association is for individuals to start with two because that way you can compare one with the other. If you just have one hive you really don't know what's going on with the bees where if you have two and the, the numbers in one hive get smaller then you know you can kind of look and say hey what's going on here um, and today six years later we have 50 beehives and four bee yards 
um, scattered um, throughout Onslow County. So Lynn's favorite saying when everybody asks her about bees is, I don't know if I signed up for all this. I never really wanted to get to 50 hives, but that's where we are today, four bee yards, 50 hives, and about every seven to 10 days we get in the bees. We, we call it working the bees, because if you start at eight o'clock in the morning, by the time you get to the other end, um, it's, it's noon, you know, and you're hot and you're about ready to fall out. With fewer beehives, say 10 in each yard, that was kind of the goal with four yards, 10 hives in a yard would give us 40 beehives, um, but now we have 50. But what we find ourselves doing now is working more than one yard um, a day. So we're almost in the same boat we were before, where we're almost falling out. But um, I don't know, it just, it, it gets in your blood. Since honey is a popular sweetening product, there is a large industry for honey production, both on the local and commercial level. But is there a difference between store-bought honey versus local honey? You know, until the past few years, uh, beekeeping was kind of a lost art. But in our association now, um, we're finding that a lot of younger people um, are getting, in, getting back into beekeeping, which is really good. We're just trying to spread the word. What I tell people is if you don't know your beekeeper, you don't know your honey. And if you really think about that, there's a lot of truth to that. And we've made it a point to, one, get our name out there, um, and then be as reputable as you can be. So you're only as good as, you know, your operation is. I don't, I don't do the grocery shopping. Lynn does that. Um, but I did go with her one day, and we were in a food lion, and it's our local food lion, and we happened to go down the aisle where they sell honey. So being a beekeeper, I was kind of curious. So I, the first bottle of honey I grabbed, I turned around and looked at the label to read the ingredients. And what it said was the company that packaged it did not produce it. So it doesn't tell you where it actually came from. And a lot of our honey is imported from China um, and, and various places. And, and they're cracking down on a lot of that illegal stuff um, because people have actually had their honey tested. And if it's not, they say... I don't know what the law is here in North Carolina, but um, I've watched videos where they say the law is as long as it's 51%, whatever they're advertising it as, then they're legal. So it's, it's really important. You know, you're just not getting the benefits. There's so many people, especially on, on the coast of North Carolina here, that have allergies. Um, and we know that just by people that we talk to and people that buy our honey. But Lynn and I, we, we had the thought we wanted to serve the local people, and they can certainly go to, to a store and buy it, um, but there's always going to be a markup. Really looking at it, you, you can't tell a difference, and, so, and some of the jars of containers that they put the honey in might be colored and, and not a clear container, so it's really hard to tell. I've even tasted some of the store honey, and, and it tastes good, but you're just not getting anything out of it. Most people are buying honey um, not not for the taste so much as the benefit that they're, they're, they're desiring. And, and there's a lot of tests that have shown that most store honey isn't honey at all. And, and we tell everybody because we've had people say, oh, I couldn't find any local honey, so they bought store honey. Um, and it does taste good, but we encourage people not to buy store honey, um, to try to buy local honey. So that's why I say, if you don't know your beekeeper, you really don't know your honey. After I was able to talk with David and Lynn Sandbag about beekeeping within our coastal community, I was determined to learn more about the honey production industry. 
During my research, I ran across a veteran master beekeeper that's been a huge contributor to the Honey Bee Associations within Onslow County for over 10 years. Now let's hop over with Mr. Eric Talley to uncover more information about bees and their honey. So my name is Eric Talley. I am a master beekeeper with the North Carolina State Beekeepers Association. I am the current president of the Onslow County Beekeepers Association. I am also the Coastal Regional Director for the State Beekeepers Association. I currently have about 150 colonies of bees that I manage and uh, I keep bees at eight different locations because you can get too many colonies of bees in one area and you don't have enough forage for them to survive. So I have them spread out on other people's property, uh, probably within a eight mile radius of my home here. And I also raise queens and sell to other beekeepers, uh, send them as far away as South Carolina and Virginia and all over North Carolina through the mail. Honeybees are incredibly important to our environment, with roughly 80% of the commercial crop yield in the United States depending solely on the pollination from honeybees. However, in recent years, there have been many stories that have surfaced stating that the population of bees is declining. So what exactly is causing this decline, and how can this problem be fixed? In 1922, the United States put a moratorium on bringing bees to this country from other countries to try and keep this little bug out called the Varroa mite. And somewhere in the 80s, depending on whose book you read, this Varroa mite made it to the United States anyway. And today, it is the biggest problem worldwide that's killing honeybees, the viruses that it's carried. The problem is, in the United States, with the shortage of honeybees, folks have decided that they're going to bring honey in from overseas. We are in a problem area here because we don't have long cold winters. Uh, there's a small hive beetle that made it over here in the mid 90s from sub-Saharan Africa. That is a pest that bothers our honeybees as well. But the biggest factor is the Varroa mite. And I think the last I heard, currently there are 21 different viruses uh, that is being carried by that Varroa mite that are affecting the bees in one way or another. Another big problem that the honeybees are having, they need a variety of plants to collect pollen and nectar from, especially the pollen that they're getting their protein to feed their developing larvae from. That's what they're using the pollen for, to make a brood food and feed their developing larvae. And so over the years, back in the 70s when I started keeping bees, 
people didn't mow ditch banks and people didn't get rid of all the dandelions and the clover in their yard. And, you know, I don't somewhere along the line, apparently people decided they needed to compete for yard of the month, whether there is a program out there for a yard of the month or not. So there is a lack of nutrition in some areas that affects the health of the honeybee. So between the pest and the pathogens uh, and the pesticides that are being used and the lack of nutrition, there are any number of factors that are affecting the health of the honeybee uh, in the United States. And it takes a whole bunch of work to keep bees alive and healthy today. From an early age, people are taught about the crucial process of pollination. The honeybee flies from flower to flower to collect nectar. As the bee travels to a variety of different plants, it gathers grains of pollen and then disperses them to other plants, thus establishing the cycle of pollination. Honeybees are an essential component of the agriculture industry, supporting the nearly $170 billion business worldwide due to their pollination. Without honeybees, our environment as we know today would be very different. Albert Einstein made a statement that if the honeybee were to disappear from the earth, the human race would be gone in less than five years. Because one third of what we eat took a honeybee to pollinate and one third of what we feed to beef cattle and chickens and horses and hogs also took a honeybee to pollinate. The commercial honeybee industry is a tremendous system of moving parts from around the country. But how does it specifically work? Let's, for instance, talk about the, the almond groves in Southern California. The almond will not pollinate without a honeybee. The native pollinators, there's just not enough of them down there. And so, for instance, I think last year, this last January and February, because the almonds bloom for about a three-week period of time in February, uh, and that's it. So I think I read a USDA they estimated as of last late December, there were 3.1 million colonies of managed honeybees that are kept for the purpose of pollination. Now, we're not talking about guys like me that keeps bees in one place. We're talking about big commercial guys that put them on a truck and move them around for pollination. So of the 3.1 million colonies of bees, this report, I think it said 2.8 million colonies of bees got put on trucks and sent to California from all of 48 states just for a three-week pollination of the almonds. And so uh, there's a lot of money involved in both the production of edible items in this country and in the pollination of those. With the commercial agriculture industry continuing to consolidate their resources for specific farming systems that provide the highest return, such as monoculture, the necessity for honeybees has exceedingly increased in recent years. Through these agriculture systems that focus on one singular crop within large areas, the pollination process is a key component for some crops. 
While these non-traditional farming systems are generally better for the overall product yield, they can also have negative effects on honeybees throughout the United States. When they put them on a monoculture, for instance, almonds, and all of these bees are in one area, they're spreading diseases. You could, your bees could be close enough to North Carolina bees and let's say bees from New Jersey and bees from Nebraska and bees from Texas could all be within a half a mile of each other and spreading diseases. And then at the end of pollen pollination, they get put on trucks and sent back home. So the bees were stressed out from having having only one pollen, being put on trucks and moved. So it puts a lot of stress on them, but we can't grow the amount of food in this country that we need or that even we export to other countries without honeybees to do the pollination. The last report that I saw, an estimate about North Carolina, for instance, uh, was a couple of years ago, and they estimated at that point that the production of crops for only the ones that needed pollination were worth about $100 million. And the pollination, people being paid to take their honeybees to those crops to pollinate them, was worth about $14 million just in one year. The impact honeybees have on the agriculture industry with their pollination process is incredible. But the significance of the honeybee doesn't stop there. The production of consumable honey is one of the largest industries in the world due to its popular usage as a sweetener. But did you know that approximately 75% of the honey within the United States is imported from outside the country? Typically, this wouldn't be a problem given that most people who purchase foods at the grocery store trust the products due to strict FDA regulations. However, this is not always the case for all products and some labeling processes from the FDA do not tell the entire story. Such is the case for most store-bought honey, thus highlighting some issues with the commercially imported honey from outside the United States. So why are local beekeepers so important for honey production? In the United States, if we're going to extract honey for human consumption, we use either plastic or stainless steel. In China, they are using galvanized tubs with lead solder, and they're feeding a lot of sugar water to make a lot of honey that is not really honey. It's a sugar water product, and it's not good stuff. They also flooded the market in the United States and brought the cost of honey way down. And so somewhere, and I think it was in the early 80s, the United States said no more honey from China coming into the States. So China has circumvented that and they now sell honey in bulk container ships to Venezuela and Mexico and Argentina. And so then these countries mix that Chinese honey with their honey, and then they wind up shipping it to the States anyway with uh, Chinese honey in it. And it gets here and this is not very good honey and it's ruining the, the honey market for the American beekeeper.
it has really affected the commercial guy who's trying to sell honey here in the United States. And we don't know how healthy it is if they're using lead and solder uh, and galvanized tubs to do their extraction with. So. When you go look at these jars in a big box store, the back of a honey label, for instance, at Walmart or Sam's Club or something, USDA requires that they label the country of origin. So most of them say USA slash Argentina or USA slash uh, Venezuela or something. So that means that at least 51% of that honey came from the United States and the rest of it came from Venezuela or wherever, Argentina, wherever they've got labeled onto there. The problem is if Chinese honey made it to Argentina and got mixed with theirs, and then it came to the States and now you've got Argentina slash Chinese honey that gets mixed with USA honey, and it's all the same color because they mixed 100,000 gallons all at one time. And uh, it's fermenting, if you look at the top of the jar, because it didn't have the right amount of uh, the moisture content's too high. And once it ferments, it's not good for the bees and it's not good for us. So I, I would challenge you to get a jar of local honey and compare it yourself taste-wise with something that came from a big box store, and you'll probably not go back to big box store honey. Well, I hope you enjoyed uncovering the mysteries of bees and their honey just as much as I did. From the pollination process to the expansive honey industry, the honeybee influences a majority of aspects within our daily lives and environment. It's truly incredible what these insects can do for us. A special thank you to David and Lynn Sandbeg of Deep Creek Bee Farm, along with Eric Talley of the Onslow County Beekeepers Association for helping me with this story. Without all of you, this story would never have been possible. If you are interested in more information about beekeeping, I highly suggest you reach out to your local beekeepers association. Just going out to your community's farmer's market and supporting local honey is a huge way to help. Plus, you can get a nice sweet treat. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Community Rising, Shoreside's Environmental Stories. This podcast is a special project of Shoreside's and Working Narratives. Do you have a story from our coast that you would like to share? Contact us at info at shoresize.org. Thank you for listening.